There's good reason to stay on course, Pastor Ed Taylor explains. You do have a choice. It's not like that's been taken away from you. But if you don't continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, then you're going to get ripped off. And you're going to get some wind of doctrine, some weird thing, that you're going to be more into your weird thing than you're into the Lord. And that's not good. You might even get rubbed off with some seriously false teaching, worshiping a false Messiah, worshiping a false God, and that's not going to end well. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Why do so many start well, but don't finish well? While it's not a new problem, it seems to be getting worse. Is there an answer? Yes. And we'll hear about it on today's Abounding Grace. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Taylor, continues in the book of Hebrews today. We began to hear last time how we're to keep growing spiritually and not fall away. Here now to continue along those same lines is Pastor Ed in chapter 10. Stop looking for something new and just read your Bible. You want to grow? I'm going to give you a class. You say, Ed, I need a class. I need to watch a series of videos. Give me some MP3s. How can I grow? I'm going to give it to you right now. We got two classes we're going to do right now. Ready? Class number one. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, read your Bible. So here's the test. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, what do you need to do, class? A++. You're going on to second class now. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, after you read your Bible, do it. So class, what do you need to do after you read your Bible? Do it. You've graduated. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Bible. Read it and do it. And the Lord will lead you. And I already can feel the resistance. Somebody saying, but Ed, there's so much in the Bible I don't understand. Here's an elective class, number three. When you come across something in the Bible you don't understand, write it down and set it aside, and then do what you do understand. Now, it's a little long just to give a, a pop quiz on that because it's a long answer, but don't let the things you don't understand stumble you because actually the things you do understand, you're not doing. And there's a lot in the Bible. That's why I dedicate my life to studying the Bible. I don't understand everything there is to understand in the Bible. I mean, if anybody does, then they would be God. So there's a lot for us to learn, but don't let that be a convenient excuse for you not to read your Bible and do it. And I I have to say, statistic after statistic after statistic tell us that less than 5%, I don't know what the number is, but it's one digit, less than 5% of people in their churches like this, evangelical churches, read their Bible. Now, I'm not saying that to bum you out or to bring conviction, but the Holy Spirit's saying, read my word. You will grow when you read the Bible. God will speak to you. He inspired the word. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Paul's writing to young Pastor Timothy. And they'll be deceived and they'll deceive others. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. You, church, you, Ed, you, pastors and leaders, you must continue. 
And so our church is committed to continuing in the Word of God. Every time, all the time. Your kids downstairs, getting the Word of God. Your kids upstairs, getting the Word of God. Your kids in our academy, getting the Word of God. Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. We're committed to the Word of God, to read it and to do it. Because God takes His Word. It's the same as it been from the very beginning. In the very beginning, in the very beginning in Genesis, God said. <laughs> that's how it all started. God said. And that's all that really matters. We're committed to the Word of God here. And I know things change over the years. I was thinking with Pastor Greg Laurie and how this is his 30th year of Harvest Crusades and just a glorious time. Thousands of people respond and lives are changed. And the fact that Marie and I, we, when we were new believers, we attended, I think, the second Harvest Crusade that was over at the Pacific Amphitheater, which is a much smaller venue. The music was different. The logos were different. The atmosphere was different. It was all, everybody was dressing different. But one thing stayed the same. Pastor Greg, anointed by God, preached the gospel and people got saved. And so then year two, year three, year five, now 30 years, it looks profoundly different than it did 30 years ago. The music is different. The way you dress is different. The lights, the LED lights are different. The venue's different. There's so many things that are different because methodologies have to change with the times. They have to change. But the message never changes. The message never changes. The Bible is very clear. Don't mess with the word. It says what it says, and it means what it says. But how you deliver it, well, it has to change. You're seeing that transformation in our own church. We're, we're just, there's really a lot of superficial changes, but they're changes nonetheless. Little paint here, different signage, different, you know, a lot of things, different pulpit, lights, different stuff, all kinds of things. I mean, we've even got a lot of feedback on changing our name. We changed the name of our church. We changed the name of our church. We just added, you know what we added to our name? Church. And people are like, what happened? What are you doing? What's, what happened? Well, we're getting phone calls a lot. Hey, we, people thought we were a wedding chapel. People thought we were a school. They had all kinds of views. And so back in the day, when we were Calvary Chapel, there had some meaning to that. But chapel doesn't have all that much meaning when it relates to Jesus. So we just wanted people to know that big brown box on the corner of Hampton and Biscay is a church. But we're still teaching the Bible, verse by verse. It's still taking me forever to get through a book of the Bible. I still love you. More passionate for the gospel now than I ever have been in my life committed to seeing lives changed, self-sacrificial, as well as the team of leaders and servants here and staff here to see you grow in your faith and to equip you. The methods have to change. We're going to have to pull the carpet. We're going to have to paint the walls. They have to change. But the message never changes. Never. If you walked into this church on December 26, 1999, which actually was over at the school behind us, sitting in these chairs over here, you would have heard a Bible study. We would have sang together. We would have worshiped together, studied the Bible, and set up and take down that school is what we did back then. And now here we are 20 years later. We're doing it a little differently, but we're still singing together, still studying the Bible together, and still passionate about reaching the city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the temptation. The temptation is, is that you don't stay firm in how you started. That's how you don't run the race. That's how you don't finish the race. You get off course. You got to stay on the track. And like Paul tells you on Timothy, you must continue. You must continue in the things that you've learned. You don't have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice. 
Uh, it's not like that's been taken away from you. But if you don't continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, then you're going to get ripped off. And you're going to get some wind of doctrine, some weird thing, that you're going to be more into your weird thing than you're into the Lord. And that's not good. You might even get ripped off with some seriously false teaching, worshiping a false Messiah, worshiping a false God, and that's not going to end well. Now notice, as it says in verse 7, in the volume of the book it is written of me. In the volume, the whole book, the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. I believe today this is a word from God for our church, that it doesn't matter what new fad is coming in the church, what new trend is coming, whatever wind of doctrines flowing through the broader church, the holy scriptures are able, notice, to make you wise. He says, and continue in 2 Timothy, that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in which is in Jesus Christ. The Bible makes you a wise person. It's able to make you wise. And we're committed to the Bible here. That's what you'll get. You could leave for five years and come back and you're still going to, we'll probably still be in Hebrews, but you're still going to get the Bible. We're not going to veer from it. You just need to hear it. We're not going to veer from it as an example for you not to veer from it. That if you're ever tempted to go here and you're ever tempted to go there, you're going to pick up this little teaching over here. Don't do it. You know, Pastor Michael downstairs, and maybe you learned this song, but Pastor Michael's teaching the kiddos that song that goes the B-I-B-L-E. You guys know that song? So if you know that song, Pastor Ian's having a hard time with his voice today. I'm going to lead you in worship today. What do you guys say no for? I'm going to lead you in worship. So if you know this song, I want you to join in and we're going to sing it together because the kiddos are going to learn it. And if you don't know it, I'm going to teach it to you right now. Okay, you ready? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, let's do it again because like of all the services, let's do it again. Sing it. Like people are listening and watching right now. They, they think three people are here. So let's, you guys ready? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. That's it. That's our church. Simple as that. And you just need to know that. I know it's not always the exciting, and I know it's not always the thrill, and I know it's not always trending whatever new movies out there or whatever, but you don't need that. You need the Word of God taught through a gifted person that will go right to the heart of your life. That's what your kids need. That's what your grandkids need. And that's what this little church on the corner is committed to. And we will continue in it. Because notice the Bible is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine means giving you the teachings of, of the truth about God. It's also profitable, notice, for reproof, teaching us what's wrong. But it's also profitable for correction, teaching us how to correct what's wrong and make it right. And then finally, notice it is profitable for instruction so we can learn how to live and maintain what's right. It's thoroughly equipping you for every good work. It's thoroughly equipping you for every good work. And it's all valuable from Genesis to Revelation. You know how sometimes people will say, well, you know, that's just a book written by man. Anybody ever hear that? You want to give, maybe you want to give somebody a Bible. And by the way, there are Bibles in the back of the chairs there. If you ever want to give someone a Bible, take one from the back of the chair. That's why they're there. We invest thousands of dollars in Bibles every year. Take it and give it away. And if you're going to give it to a new believer, take 
we have the New King James in there, but we're also using the New Living Translation on Wednesday nights. That's the New Living Translation is one of those Bibles in the back of the chair. Give it away. Give it away. It's yours. Go ahead. Give it away. Take one and give it away. If you're going to give it away, take one of the newer ones, not the beat up ones. Just give it to them. And as you do, most likely you'll hear somebody say, oh, I don't to read the Bible. I don't want the Bible because man wrote it. And then that kind of stumbles you. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. So let me help you with the answer. If somebody ever tells you that the Bible was written by man, you tell them, that's right. Like, Whoa, wait a minute, Ed. What are you saying? I'm saying exactly what the Bible says. The Bible was written by men. God used men to write down the Bible. Yes. Now, I know in their mind, they have this picture of like a campfire, right? And Abraham's there, and Moses is there, and Paul's there. They're all together. Hey, Mo, what do you want in the Bible? I don't know. Make me sound good. You know, that, that's obviously not what happened because the Bible is divine in origin. It was written by 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years. It wasn't this little campfire thing. Divine in origin, even though God used the pen and the mind of men. So yes, man did write down, but as we learn here, it was inspired of God. As we'll see in a moment, the Holy Spirit testified through the Bible. It was inspired by God. Do you know that God is still inspiring Christians to write things today? Not to add to the Bible. The Bible is done. It is done, complete. Nobody adds to the Bible. Nobody takes away from the Bible. God is already done with that. But he still inspires people today to write things. Like, like the inspiration in your heart to reach out to someone. Where do you think that came from? You know, the text message that you send. You, you know, you just drive. Any of you ever drive down the road and some, somebody just popped into your mind? Anybody have that happen? You're, just, you're not even thinking about them. You're going, you're thinking about Chipotle. Should I have hot sauce or the green sauce? And then all of a sudden, boom, somebody said, I haven't heard from them in a while. And you reach out to them. Where do you think that thought came from? It didn't come from the marketers at Chipotle. I could tell you that. It came from the Holy Spirit inside of you. You care for people because God's inside of you. You go, well, no, Ed, that thought came because I was thinking of that person the other day. And it was like, you take too much credit. God's inside of you. And he wants to use you to send that text message. I mean, with technology today, you can do text messaging, email, you can call them, you can, I mean, they're just, you can FaceTime. There's so much technology out there. Just do it. God is still inspiring his people today. The Bible, this word in 2 Timothy about inspiration means God breathed. And while God is not writing anymore and adding to the Bible at all, the faith has been once delivered for the, to the saints. He is still using his church to be an impact on the world today. And he, and he is using you to write an encouraging note or to send a gift or whatever it might be. Notice as we close now, it says, verse 11, every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he was perfected forever, those who were being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses. Notice, the Holy Spirit's witnessing through what? The book of Jeremiah. Because that's what this quotation is in verse 16. The Holy Spirit was inspiring Jeremiah when he was writing this down. This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I'll write them. And then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Again, basic theology. Jesus Christ died once. He's not being crucified multiple times. And through that one-time crucifixion and his ascension into heaven, it's proof positive that God kept his word. 
that God would do a work now inside once and for all in your life and in mine. This one offering, verse 14, we've been perfected. That God has done that work inside of you to save you and forgive you. And now we have that expectation of Jesus Christ to return for his perfect kingdom. And the Holy Spirit's involved in the inspiration of the Old and the New Testament. Can I leave you with this thought? Would you go back up in verse 5? Which is a startling thing that the psalmist says. Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Now, the application of this, of course, is that the coming of Messiah was to sacrifice himself. But if you step back here, this is a pretty startling thing. God is saying through the psalmist, I don't want your sacrifices. God is saying through the, through the psalmist here, I take no pleasure in all of your religious activity, which makes us pause for a second. Because isn't, it, isn't our worship, doesn't our worship of God bring pleasure to us? I mean, isn't it so encouraging to us? What does he mean here? I think that what he's trying to show us, what he's trying to reveal to us, is that your outward expression of religion doesn't please God. It doesn't save you. So you being in church today, it doesn't matter whether you're here or not. It doesn't, it's not that, it's not that you being here is the real issue. The real issue is if you want to be here, <laughs> it's your heart, it's your motivation. So, well, Ed, you know, uh, I'm in church every single week. Yeah, but you only want to be here once a year. So what does that measure up to God? God says, I don't want you in church. That's not my desire. You go come and you are a faithful giver. You're a faithful giver. You put an offering in one of the boxes, you set up online, and you give. And I'm saying to you right now, God's not pleased with your giving. What? How could you say that, Pastor? God's not pleased. It's, it's say you're giving. So you gave. You wrote a check. Great. God doesn't want your giving. You go, Ed, how can you possibly say, is that a pastor on the stage saying I don't? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. That God's not impressed by your church attendance. He's not impressed by your giving, your good deeds. Which leads us to the question, <laughs> Well, what does God want? <laughs> what does God want? Which is a great question. And let me just say, God wants you. God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you. Because when he has you, then you're here. When he has you, then you give. When he has you, you do so in such a way to honor and please him, not just outwardly to try to cover up a life that's not in relationship with him. God wants you he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. He's not interested in all these outward things. The closest thing that I can think of is in the closest relationships that I have, like my relationship with my wife, my children, the team that I get to serve with, my church. You know, just recently I was thinking as a dad of some ways that I could bless my kids. And then it shocked me last night as I was sharing it that my kids were probably listening, so now it's not a surprise. But I was just thinking of ways to bless them. They don't know what they are, and I'm not going to say what they are, but I was really, I've been thinking a lot. I, maybe I can do this, and what about this? And I've been praying about a few things just to bless them. I'm doing that. Not, I don't want anything back from them. I'm not doing it. Maybe it's even with the team here. They do a season of hard work here, and maybe I'm thinking of a gift card, or something I can do just to acknowledge that and thank them. I don't want anything back. I'm not saying, well, if I give you this, then you give me. No, I just want to bless and honor them. I don't want, I'm not doing something for them so that, so that they can do something greater for me. I'm doing something for them because I love them. And that's it. 
And any response that comes back from them would then be also a response of love. Anything else really doesn't matter. Well, you know, I give a $25 gift card and then the next week there's a $30 gift card on my desk. Oh, a little bit more. No, 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 I don't, don't do that. But rather, let's cultivate our love relationship. My kids, like, what could they give back to me? Everything they have, I gave to them. So what are they going to give back to me? Every time my kids move out, I tell them, you're taking nothing with you, man. It's all mine. <laughs> now that I've raised my kids into adulthood, it doesn't work. But I thought it did. <laughs> but really, isn't that how you want to live your life? Don't you want love relationships? Aren't the sweetest relationships you have ones of mutual love and care and self-sacrificial. It's not you do, I do, and it's not I'm going to try to top you. Isn't it neat just sometimes to think, man, I wonder how I can bless somebody. I wonder how I can help somebody. I'm not asking for anything in return. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message in Hebrews from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now, if you haven't already, download the free app. Simply search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. So, Pastor Ed, as you've shared, it's God's heart to bless us because He loves us. Now, I can just hear someone say, but I'm not worthy of that kind of love and then deflect God's love rather than accept it. Can you leave them with a word of encouragement? You know, Larry, I can leave them with a word of encouragement, but let me first say and affirm that the feeling of unworthiness is a real, true feeling. I think that when I, when I begin to encompass in my mind an magnificent, all-powerful, all-loving, all-caring God wanting to have anything to do with me and my weaknesses and my sin and my, I mean, it's hard to fathom in my own mind. And I remember walking into a church, sitting in the back row, hearing a message. I don't even remember the exact message, but I remember hearing about God's love and how much God loves me. And I would look around the room, it was filled like with 3,000 people. And I would look around the room, and I, I, I actually came to this conclusion. You know, I, I think it's possible that God could love everyone in this room, but not me, because I knew me. Uh, and I, you know, thinking about it now, I didn't even know how bad I was, but I knew I was bad. Uh, I knew that I, if sin, you could call it whatever you want back then, I wasn't saved, but I knew that if sin exists, I was the chief of sinners, and I just couldn't accept the love of God. But there was a part of me too that didn't want to accept the love of God because then I'd have to change. And so I would just encourage you today, receive the love of God. You're right. You are unworthy. And so am I. But Jesus Christ came for the unworthy. Jesus Christ came for the sinner, for the rebel, for the difficult, for the resistant. He came to break our defenses down and bring us into a relationship with the Father. And so even though we're not worthy, Jesus Christ has changed us. We're new creations in Christ. And so our worthiness com not comes from our own good behavior, but from our relationship with Jesus. Receive his love and enjoy it and grow in it. You'll be blessed. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Looking for some good summertime reading for that vacation of yours? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. 
Now, he also modeled this through how he lived, and that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Not long ago, we created an e-store, which makes ordering resources like this super easy. You'll find it at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you just want to make a donation to the ministry today, but you're not really interested in the pick of the month, you can donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. We'd like to connect with you before the day is done. Say hello. Tell us what God is up to in your life when you visit aboundinggraceradio.com. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.